your history matters. We're joined in the studio by the one, the only, as far as I know, actually. I have not scoured the entire globe, yes, but I have a sneaking <laughs> suspicion. The one and only Scott Washington, I historian extraordinaire. The same uh, accolade could be applied to you as well, Aaron. I Again, as far as we know. As far as we know. That's there, right, are exactly. out, there are other Aaron Kecks and other Scott Washingtons out there, but <laughs> you and I are... Darn close unique. to unique. That's put it right. That way. I would yeah. say so. Absolutely. Looking back at this week in history, how well, are you? I am. I'm doing good. This is a really great week in history. Uh, locally, uh, there are some things that happened in North Carolina. Um, the 16th and the 17th of May um, is something that happens back in 1771. Uh, that's when, on uh, May 16th, uh, there is this battle in Alamance County and. It's, you know, I didn't know about this growing up. It's only when I moved down here that I understood why the people in Lexington and Concord fought so ferociously, because it turns out they knew what had happened in Alamance, and they knew what had occurred. And if people haven't gone, I encourage you to do so. Um, this is a battle where uh, this English colonial governor, William Tryon, uh, with militia and cannon, uh, attacked this peaceful group of uh, demonstrators who have gathered and not to march on the Capitol but to collect a, a tax refund and uh, it's a lopsided battle. Um, it, it's one of the longer ones actually even in the Revolutionary War it lasts upwards of two to two and a half hours and afterwards the governor's side has a small number of casualties, nine men die, uh, dead and 61 wounded. He's pretty consistent. On the other side 25 years ago when I visited that battleground, they were saying the same numbers. Now it's moved up, and it's a substantially different, and most importantly, the fact that the early leaders of this country were reading about this mm -hmm. uh, informs why we're not the Commonwealth of the United States, why it uh, became a, a reason to say we have to take up arms. Well, I think the, the fact that the Battle of Alamance is such a regionally known and not nationally known yes. thing, I think that really says a lot about the way that we teach and the way that we can teach and talk about right. and understand American history. Like, you grew up in the Northeast, I grew right. up in the Midwest, and both of us, I think, got the the most the common version, That's the right. standard version, which is the Boston-centric yes. version of American history. <laughs> that begins in 1620 when That's the pilgrims right. arrived in Plymouth in Massachusetts, and it's so Boston-focused and Massachusetts yes. and New England-focused all the way up to the the Revolutionary era and the and the, the the Constitutional era, and everything that we think about and talk about is the Boston Massacre and Lexington That's and right. Concord and the Boston Tea Party and Paul Revere's <laughs> Ride and all of really these things. Really good public relations, exactly. There in uh, but that's one way of telling America. American history, yes. there are others. You can tell the Virginia-centric story. You can tell the That's North right. Carolina-centric story. I think one of the, the the genius things about the 1619 project, Nicole Hannah-Jones's project, not is it's it's not that the book itself is the greatest book ever written about American history. Right. The genius of it is here's another way to understand That's and right. to tell the story of American history to add on to all of the other ways that That's we right. tell. That's right. And yeah, looking through that 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 prism yeah. of where people are coming from gives you a new perspective. Exactly. Uh, and I think that is uh, so accurate. And that's certainly true. And you need them all. You like, do. You really, really do. And that's yeah. why understanding what happens here in North Carolina that culminates in this unexpected explosion of violence on May 16th um, is really important because it's about 
the people here in North Carolina, which by the 1760s were the largest uh, state in terms of immigration from anywhere of, I mean, of, the, of the colonies at that point. And um, so they were really raising important questions about it isn't right, it's not fair, these colonial fees and taxes. And it uh, comes to a head with this, uh, this battle. But afterwards, the governor uh, continues to be vindictive and goes around for a month uh, and burning down farms of anyone and taking uh, uh, items of value from anyone who'd signed petitions. And he has 15 men that are the only survivors of this climactic battle. Um, and one of them, he hangs right after it on May 17th, James Few, uh, without any uh, protections at all, like we know today. Cruel and unusual punishment. Yep. Um, war crimes, we would call it, if we were looking at it from Ukraine's side of things. And then over the next month, he gets into Hillsborough. And we'll be talking about that next month, too. Uh, where we uh, remember the six men who were executed in Hillsborough on uh, June 19th. But all to say that this is part of this American story, and if you look at it through this larger lens, then you begin to understand why um, you have Lexington and Concord, why you have this emergence as people realized, uh, is there such a difference here that we have no other choice? Mm -hmm. um, not to say that that's any, any indication that you have to go to uh, resort to violence, but in this particular case, um, where these uh, these protesters were attacked on May 16, 1771, it did lead to certain conclusions about what's necessary and not. Now, on the 17th, when James Few dies, it's interesting because if we fast forward now to uh, 1954, that's the date, uh, May 17th, when the U.S. Supreme Court issued its ruling in Brown versus Board of Education. Yep. So if we're talking about civil rights and not having them, well, this is reestablishing that this uh, is so important. And that was a case, of course, that was started um, when you had African-American parents in Topeka, Kansas, who were not able to send their kids to the closest school because there was segregation. And so they appealed on the grounds of, uh, got together with the NC, N, N, NCAA, P and they um, NAACP. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I mean, it's so many different acronyms. We yes. got tons of acronyms Thank here. You. Yeah, and um, they uh, appealed on the grounds of the the Equal Protection Clause of the Fourteenth Amendment, which states that uh, no state shall deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of its laws. Now that mm. applies to everybody. Anybody who thinks, oh, well, this is applying to just one group. No, it applies to all of us. That's what's so important. And, and why that march of civil rights is not just one person. It applies to everybody and protects us all much more. And there's a, there's a local tie-in this week in history as well, kind of tangentially related to yes. Brown versus Board of Education. But back in 1946, there was a Supreme Court decision out of Virginia about interstate transportation right. and segregation on, on public buses that are going from one state to another, where the Supreme Court struck right. down Jim Crow laws there. And this is the week in history in 1947, 75 years ago. Yes. Uh, the journey of reconciliation had come through Chapel Hill. This was the first right. round of freedom rides, and they had been accosted by a mob, violently attacked, and then the 
the the riders, not the mobbers, the riders yeah. were arrested uh, and charged with segregation law. for violating a segregation yeah. law that had been struck down by right. the courts already. Uh, tomorrow is the anniversary of their trial in right. uh, in in Chapel Hill at the time, and they're going to be doing the 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 event at the courthouse in Hillsborough right. tomorrow yeah, afternoon. That should be yeah. exciting with Gene Nichols. Yeah, with I'm Gene Nichols, James Williams. Yeah, we're going to have. Uh, I talked with James Williams yesterday. We're going to have the transcript of that great. conversation up on Chapelboro oh, later today. It's a great conversation. Oh, yeah. great. Yep. Uh, well, this is the this is always a station to listen to great news, history, and interviews, and I, I appreciate what you news do. News and history has a tendency to run hand in hand. Yes, it? they are. Well, this is the sort of thing that that's exciting, and that's why I think of somebody like uh, this is a, who has a birthday this week on May twenty second, um, nineteen thirty, Harvey Milk, and yep. Harvey Milk gets known. Uh, of course, uh, in San Francisco, when he comes there in 1972, opens a camera store, and then he is he's gay, and he becomes he's realizing that uh, the people in the Castro district were not being well represented, and so he begins to run for office, and it takes him five years, finally gets into office, and uh, his legacy is short. He's only in office for about 11 months. He's assassinated, uh, but um, he during that time helps to pass a stringent. Uh, uh, gay rights ordinance, which benefits, as again, everybody. This is, you know, civil rights is not just for one particular group. It affects everybody, and I think that's so important. And do we have time for one more? We do. We have time for one more, yeah. I have got to mention, this is one of these people I just just so appreciate. Her name is Mary Anning. Now, A-N-N-I-N-G. You may not know her name. She uh, was born in 1799 on May 21st. She lives to 1847, but here's the thing. She is one of England's greatest paleontologists. Um, and uh, her family is poor, and uh, there's this, of course, the war with uh, France, and so there's a lot of poverty. And when Charles Dickens is writing about things and you said, oh, the Christmas Carol, isn't that quaint? Really, in Tiny Tim, this is stuff that was real actually happening in England, and she's part of this people who are poor, but on the slopes of this cliff where she, she, her family lives, every time it washes away, it exposes this uh, strata of fossils, and so they begin to sell these fossils as kind of curiosities to the uh, more affluent people who are coming to vacation there, and over time, uh, Mary inherits the family business, and she becomes an incredible a uh, well-versed paleontologist, mm. uh, one of those people who puts in over 10,000 hours, mm. we might say, and uh, even though she doesn't have a degree, so many things against her because she's a woman, but by sheer force of will and determination, she becomes one of the greatest paleontologists acknowledged today for her discovery of fossils and also uh, making sure that they are part of the public record. I think that's exciting, and it should give us all pause to say, follow your passion wherever it is. Maybe it's in politics, maybe it's in dinosaurs, maybe it's somewhere else. You never know where it will lead to make the world a better place. And that's something we can all say why history matters. And that is how history matters. Scott Washington, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron.